this week on Invasion of the Podcast. We aren't even supposed to be here today to talk about Clerks 2 for our year of the sequel. Coming this summer. Oh, no. Disaster. It's in theaters now. That can only mean one thing. Doggone it, you're right. Mm -hmm. It looks like they've ordered a sequel. (laughs) Now. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the legend continues. What's it called? It's called, uh... Robocop 2. Uh... Clerks 2. It's called... The Invasion of the Podcast. Part 2. And that's when things got knocked into 12th gear. The year of the sequel. Too risky. Sequels are almost always disappointing. And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, I, my name's Paul, and um, also the co-worker clocking in right now over there somewhere, Steve. For the rest of the show, I will only be known as Pillow Pants. <laughs> oh, my. We, we went there already. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, I, I do have, let me, there's a couple things. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was amazing. I love it. You should probably just pull off the uh, the uh, censor for F-words for oh, this episode. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I mean, considering that you you really didn't use your um, your one hall pass for uh, the Snyder Cut, I should give you a Steve Day. Yeah, you know, one day I'll be like, I I'll make my I'll do my best to not swear at all to balance it out, so then you could just have it all. That'd be fun. Um, I'll see how many times I can come up with like you know, oh applesauce or whatever as you're just like tearing tearing at everything ever. No, but two things that I want to get into before we get into uh, discussion about the year of the sequel, uh, Clerks Two. One, I just, I got to address, uh, like I, I had a couple people say to me after last, last week's show about uh, the last blockbuster, they're like, why are you so angry? Like they didn't like, it's just, I, I mean, I didn't listen to the episode. I mean, I was there and I listened to, to me. I, you know, I, I went in and out as I was talking. I mean, did, did I come off like guns blazing? Cause maybe I did. I don't like, um, but you know, just, <laughs> I, I try to avoid being like, you know, the angry over, you know, I was gonna say angry over white. That's fair. Over the overweight white dude that does a podcast because like throw, throw a, like, you know, throw a dart. You're going to hit every one of them, you know, but oh, everyone's like, you're just so angry. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I am. I don't know. That felt weird. Like that was the reaction was that I was angry. I don't know that it was that you seemed angry. I do think that, uh, in some regards, people aren't used to it. like you very rarely uh, show your fangs unless it's like, you know, Ready Player One or Ernest Klein. Don't, don't even do it, um, Steve. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or for instance, Space Jam. Like there are a few things that you really like dig into. Like usually you're pretty even keeled within the podcast. So I think that it's probably that that people are just like, wow, this is this is a Paul that we're not used to, you know, hearing and everybody loves Blockbuster. How could he not? So I think that may have been more of it as opposed to like, dude, why do you hate Blockbuster? You know, so. Yeah, and uh, I hope and I hope people I, understand that my, most of my ire, it was twofold. One was nostalgia and then, which is going to be funny because we're talking about Clerks too, right? So there's going to be nostalgia in this discussion. But also because I, I still think like that thing, that whole documentary was a, it was fluffed out. And that, that to me is just frustrating. It's like, if you don't got 90 minutes, you don't got 90 minutes. You know, that's all. That that's that's annoying to me anymore, especially whenever every single like documentary or, or whatever's coming out has to be either like 
I'm surprised that the last blockbuster wasn't five, like five segments, like five one hour long episodes with Doug Benson wandering in between all of them. You know, like it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe we can get Doug Benson to show up on our show. I mean, I'm sure if we offer him enough, you know, money and um, weed, he'd be here in a heartbeat. That'd be fine. <laughs> uh, and we would love to have him, you know, like, I mean, how much is Ron Funches? I want Ron Funches here, but, um, Anyway, so first thing, I'm not going to be angry tonight, except for being angry at being angry, I guess. I don't know. The, the snake will eat its tail. Second thing I want to mention is that, Steve, I cheated on you, as I told Terry on the other show that I do. So I've, I guess I cheated on you twice in the last couple of days, so I you know, apologize. You uh, son of a bitch. Yeah, I know. I just, you know, let's we just pick up stakes and go to Utah, right? Anyway, so... Uh, well, like, you know, I, I have, you know, I have you as my, my podcast husband on invasion of the podcast and Terry is my podcast husband on strange highways. I, I cheated yet again and went on to a different podcast. Um, and I, I went on to uh, a friend of the show, uh, Jeff, uh, his, his show skewer universe. Uh, it is uh, episode 28 where he had me on another gentleman by the name of Patrick. And we talked about, um, midsummer, the Ari Aster film. And if people want to hear me, uh, Get, get get goofy talking about a really wonderfully serious, awesome horror film. Um, cause there's, there's things I say that probably didn't need to be said, but that's what I do. Go over and check out skewer universe episode 28. Um, I, uh, I came to the revelation that whatever was going on at that commune was like the X games because they had cliff diving and then they had some, some dance competitions and it's like, it was, you know, there was, it was basically a sporting event. Like it was like, you know, it got weird. I, I'll say this and it, it really has nothing to do so much with, uh, the film itself as much as it is. It's star Florence Pugh. Um, she is really something like, I, I, I think I talked about this last year when I, I, I think it was around when COVID started, I watched uh, fighting with your family and like, had you told me that those that was the same actress in both films, I would have been like, "You're crazy." Um, I think she's got incredible range, and I think she's great in that movie. So, hopefully, you highlighted that in your your no, we uh, did we discussion. Did. And, if you and, didn't, and, uh, no, we I talked about listen. Florence Pugh. Um, yeah, we definitely we because she carries the whole thing. I mean, not that I'm saying the cast is great, right? But like, she needs to you be got the Chidi anchor. in there from you got uh, Chidi, the yeah. Uh, was it William Jackson? Which I'm sure he loves being referred to as. Chidi. I can't help it. He's. I just. I hate that you got this guy that is great at what he does, but you're like, he's cheaty. Like, you know, like it's like he didn't go to the good place in this movie. Uh, but uh, no, we mentioned that, and also her performance. It just makes me more excited for Black Widow, right? Like that's going to be awesome because eventually we'll see that movie and it will be good. But yeah, go check out the Skewer Universe podcast. Uh, I, I I might be making a return appearance here Memorial Day because uh, there's some discussion about talking about the film Mandy. Um, yeah, let's just keep getting weird over there. So, but yeah, I just want to tell Steve I, I was cheating on you. I'd say, babe, I will change. Uh, I won't change. I, I am just I am just a floozy, and I'll run off to anybody with an open mic. It's okay. It's I, I tell Ryan that uh, you know I'm cheating on him with you, so it it would all work out. <laughs> oh man, you you downgraded though. I don't understand that at all. Like that's terrible. Like I mean, is is that just so that way you could appreciate him more? I guess maybe. Like because <laughs> he's a catch. It, you know, like, anyway. it's weird that I have like two people that I'm like really creatively intertwined with. So it's like. You know, and it's funny, too, because he doesn't think he's, he's you know, he's uh, I love Ride to Death. And yes, I'll admit he's not the most vocal, 
But like when I've ever like brought up the podcast, I was like, I don't know. I'm not great at like talking. I'm like, neither am I. But like, <laughs> I mean, show up and, you know, have some fun. I feel like I just stumble in backwards to every single thing I do. You know, it's just whatever, you know, it just you. I you, think you, the next time he comes on, we got to pick something fun that he's excited to talk about. Yeah, like we need to pick I mean, something stupid that he can have fun with. I mean, he picked Invasion USA, which was a good call uh, yeah. the last time it was on. But yeah, let's uh, let's find like, I mean. Some kind of just goopy monster movie. I don't know. It'd be fun to, to have another discussion. But but yeah, I, I cheated on you. There's another podcast out there. People go check it out. Uh, so uh, before we get into Clerks, was there any like was there any uh, weekend watching that you got into? Anything you want to mention? Because I mean, we're obviously we're not gonna talk about news. There, like, I hate that anytime we do a show that isn't news like focused news happens. But that's fine. We we're, we're, we're part of the format. We're not gonna do that. However. I always want to know if Steve watched something because I, I always, I'm always interested. Is, is it, um, did you watch more YouTube videos of people, um, going to toy stores or, um, like, you know, targets and not finding anything? Uh, no, I, I didn't. Well, I probably did uh, in some capacity, but, uh, my wife had like her first, like, you know, um, going out with friends experience that she's had since the p- pandemic we began. Should, we should state, you guys are both now fully vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, you guys can go back out into the hellscape and not, um, and not get irradiated or whatever is out there. And, so, and as, as were her friends. So they went out for one of their birthdays and, uh, she got to go out and have a good time. Um, and like experience the world again. Um, but I, stayed home Saturday and uh, we recently got, we subscribed to Peacock simply because of the office. That's all you well, watch, right? No, oddly enough. No, not the <laughs> office. Uh, Superstore. Uh, Superstore ended this season. Like we were unaware that it was going to be ending. Um, and we watched it since the beginning. And my wife was like, I really want to watch it through now that we've ended it. I'll, I'll, all over again, but it's not available on Hulu or any other streamer. It's available on um, Peacock if you pay the subscription. And this is just a real quick thing about uh, Superstore. I know that you've not watched it. This show, like rewatching it, we're I think into season three now. It gets funnier and funnier with every season. Like it's okay, a sure. show that like every episode makes me laugh. Um, and I don't think that the show got recognized enough for one just being how funny it was two being a very inclusive show uh, and three like dealing with subjects that are really uncomfortable like their last season was all about covid and it was one of their funniest seasons so i, I would highly recommend checking that out okay. however um i did not watch superstore on saturday uh as it turns out peacock has all of like the WWE stuff because it's all intertwined apparently. Well, no, they just made a deal recently and universal made a deal to get the WWE content. So basically what was the WWE network got absorbed by Peacock. And I know that there was recently a WrestleMania, but I was like, I don't want to watch something that just happened. I want to see something that happened 30 years ago. So I started watching uh, WrestleMania, Seven, which was the Iraq War area, era, and I believe um, Sergeant Slaughter was a villain at that time, or a heel, if you will. Uh, I believe he was actually on the side of Iraq at the time. Uh, <laughs> oh, but here's the problem: oh, with, Sergeant with those- Slaughter, what is like? What have you done? Is he? Is it like the Rambo? Was it the Rambo Three thing where it's like, oh <laughs> yeah. man. 
wow, that's that that aged weirdly. You know. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But the thing is, is I didn't actually get to certain slaughter. What's what happens with these pay-per-views is when I tune into them, they're always like three hours long. And I I'll start it and then I'll be drinking. And by like the first hour, I'm like, well, I'm not. I, I'm clearly not paying attention to this. I'm going to stop it so that I can come back and watch it when I'm in a you know more cohesive state. And then uh, I didn't go back and finish it. But that, <laughs> I watched like the first hour of WrestleMania Seven this weekend, so that was my big weekend watch, if you will. Yeah, I told myself <laughs> next week for yeah. hour two. <laughs> <laughs> like this was oh a couple years ago when I had the WWE Network like on a free trial. I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to go and watch all. The, I, at first, I watched the first WrestleMania, which was fun. I'm like, I'm going to watch all the Royal Rumbles, right? And then I got through two. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, I, I told myself, I'm like, I could just watch the Rumble matches, right? That counts. And it's like, even that was like, those are like 60-minute matches. And it's like, it was they were fun. It's just, I was like, oh... I somehow I was expecting more momentum for me watching them and I just didn't get to it. But I do like that. There's the availability of you being able to pick and choose like what pay-per-views to go watch. And if, if you have no interest in the current WrestleMania, which that's fine, it wasn't, it was okay. It wasn't great. Um, especially being over two nights, it was, it was weird. Um, yeah, to go back and watch whatever. Like, I think, I think that's fun and it's there and it's, uh, performers performing so why not right well i think part of it is just that like i don't know wrestling past like 1992 1993 like i'm i'm aware of the rock i'm aware of you know certain wrestlers but i i like that was my my prime era from like uh, mid 80s to like 92 93 that was when i was i wouldn't say i was super into it but i was a regular watcher and i knew pretty much everybody wrestling and this actually happened as well. I the other thing that I watched over the weekend was is Joe Bob return. Joe Bob's Briggs last drive and returned on Shutter. Um, there were double features, and the same thing that happens every Friday when I watch Joe Bob. Watch the first feature, I'm into it. By 20 minutes into the second feature, I'm falling asleep because I'm like. It's Friday night and uh, it's twelve thirty, and I've been enjoying some beverages while I'm watching it. I need to go pass out. So, uh, but that's what also happens with WrestleMania is is I get to like a certain point and I'm like, oh, I, I'm done watching for now. I'll have to come back. <laughs> well, I like that. Like of all, like you're you're not familiar with a lot of the wrestlers now, except for one current wrestler that's not WWE, but you know Nick Gage now. Because of uh, the documentary we watched, uh, and um, there, there's a guy who was part of the WWE until like until a couple years ago. Uh, uh, he goes by the name of John Moxley now. He's an AEW, which is one of the the things that's going on right now. He's a big deal, and so, supposedly he's going to fight Nick Gage. I don't know. One of them may die. And I'm I'm interested to see what happens next. <laughs> I should also note that uh, my wife, bless her heart, has no interest in watching wrestling or Joe Bob Briggs, so I have to watch those. I have to do those two things when she's either not around or when I'm in my office. So um, that may also play into the how late I get back to certain things. Like That's fair. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the second feature of Joe Bob because it goes up on Sundays after the live stream. I was like, I'll watch the second feature of Joe Bob uh, before this next one starts tomorrow night. I haven't watched it yet. So I'm like, all right, I've got to go back and finish uh, this movie before next well, it week. It looks like and you got a triple feature coming up tomorrow. 
I know. I really do. <laughs> well, now that you're you're fully um, like you know, vaccinated and you're able to go out in the world, and I'm I'm not far behind you. Um, I'm like ten days away from being fully immunized, right? For uh, for COVID, uh, was it rabies, tetanus? I don't know. Whatever, um, Captain Trips. I don't know. But um, once once we're able to go back out in public, uh, and if the the indie wrestling scene comes back, I got to get you to an indie wrestling show. Oh, yeah, uh, we'll absolutely. have so much fun. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be a blast. Right. So, and for everybody listening, I hope you guys are getting your, your shots too. And I understand that, you know, there, the, the things aren't over yet. Um, but there is, there is, there is hope for some of us. Right. And that's good. I should also, yeah. also yeah. mention that I'm doing all these things while still wearing a mask and yeah, obeying, yeah, of course, you know, social distancing and all that good stuff. So, but the mask you're wearing is actually uh, a Joker mask from the dark Knight. Uh, you know, that you're wearing one of the Heath Ledger Joker masks. I know it's not exactly the same thing, but I appreciate that. Oh, so this is just something that I wanted to mention real quick. This is not just because you mentioned the Heath Ledger Joker. This is not really like a huge deal. I think it's just that like he saw that we had a post about it. But back when uh, we did our coverage of Count Crowley, I put a uh, post up on the Saturday Slashers um, Instagram and uh over the weekend, Dave Dismelchin liked it. And I don't remember how long ago it was, maybe a month or two ago he did that. So he just got around to seeing it. But And, like, and Dave Dismelchin, I, I mispronouncing his name, he was in The Dark Knight. He was, yes. if everybody remembers, <laughs> he was the one that, um, oh, freaking what's-his-face, Two-Face, before he was Two-Face. Well, he's actually Polka Dot Man. The, he's going to become yeah. the Polka Dot Man in uh, The Suicide Squad, right? We've yeah, seen him he's in the got trailer. a larger role in yeah. Ant-Man than, than the Dark Knight, but yeah. like I, that's the first thing I ever saw him in, so I yeah. always think of the Dark Knight when I see his face. Well, that's awesome that he liked the post. I, pre- I appreciate that. That's great. Um, what was I was going to say something even dumber. I, I don't even know where I'm at with anything anymore. But yeah, we'll like yeah, we'll be responsible. We'll wear masks. We'll go. We'll go do things. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to. I'm, I am intimidated by the outside world, right? Like in the sense of like, I can maybe do things, but I was going to ask you specifically before we get to the movie here, uh, you had went uh, like uh, Grizzly Adams and didn't cut your hair for a year plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're a stronger man than me because uh, I remember, what was it? Um, spring last year, there was a bit where I, I hit a point where I got out of my car and I'm like, I can't take this anymore. And I walked up to my, to my bathroom and then took a pair of scissors and started just like taking part. Like, like I was like, um, I was like making the, the world's worst bonsai tree. Like I was just cutting everything. Right. And then, then I walk out and, and, and my wife, Mary's like, what did you do? And I'm like, I couldn't take it. She's like, all right. She's like, let me clean this up. Like it was like, you know, so then like she, so for like, there was two times where she had cut my hair and she did a good job. She used to groom dogs. So I don't think I'm any different than like an overweight St. Bernard. Like it's fine, you know, whatever. Um, so, but then eventually there was a point where I'm just like, I just, it was this weird, like almost like American werewolf in London moment of like, I can't be in the house. I need to get my hair cut. And I just had to make like a beeline. <laughs> like this was, I don't know, last fall. And I just, I scheduled an appointment and the place I went to was by appointment only. That was very like, this, it was actually, they took every precaution and I just felt like a real person again. I don't know, understand how you did what you did. Like, were you like Samson? Did you have like this immense strength while you had your full locks of hair? Um, I don't know. I don't know how you did it. So my freshman year of college, I 
basically, I think, went the entire time without getting a haircut. I could be wrong on that, but I, I wore a lot of baseball caps. Uh, a la the Kevin Smith uh, era of uh, the 90s, I wore a backward baseball cap all the time. Um, so my hair was always, like, pulled back and out of my face. But I, unless I was at work, um, I always had a baseball cap on pulling my hair back. So... I, I guess there was part of me that like felt like I was like, yeah, let's screw this out, see how I feel. Like maybe I'll look younger and you know feel like I did when I was you know nineteen twenty. Uh, I did not feel that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like, like, <laughs> like every like every day is going on. You're like, I, I've I've become like this this wild homeless man. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> I'll say the last two months were probably the hardest. Like I was just itching to get it cut. Um, and, and it's one of those things where, like, when the pandemic began, I, I've never been able to grow a beard. And I'm like, all right, this is my chance to try it in, like, complete secrecy. No one sees me but my wife. I can try and grow this out. I went three weeks, and it was just a crappy, stubble, stubbly, <laughs> itchy beard. And I'm like, this looks awful. <sighs> I'm like, I'm just shaving this. Like, that was my breaking point was, is I, I only have the goatee because that's the area of my face where it grows in the thickest. I would love to actually do the Van Dyke, which is uh, from our film this evening. Dante has a Van Dyke. It's the mustache that connects to the goatee. I can only pull off the goatee because that's the only area that in my face where hair apparently grows enough to a, a point where you're like, okay, that doesn't look patchy. Um <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was my big problem uh when i tried to grow a beard during the uh the pandemic i i lasted three weeks and freaked out but long hair didn't bother me i also had this thing in the back of my head of you know if my vanity is the thing that gets me covid i'm gonna feel like such an asshole so i'm just gonna let it go because it's not that important to me my wife didn't care um but yeah the last like two months was really tough like i Literally, at one point, started pulling my hair back into a ponytail like I was some sort of 80s villain. Uh, <laughs> you which were, was were you pulling sweet. the Seagal? Were you doing the Seagal? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, there's just a point where it's like, um, like my older brother, and my younger brother, both, they got whatever the genes are on my mom's side of the family where they, they both are becoming piebald. Like, so they got a little bit on top, but like they have the ring of hair, right? And I, the entire time I was telling, I was like, like I was bargaining with whatever powers that baby. It's like, I understand I'm overweight. I got nothing else going for me. Please let me keep my hair. Like that was my whole thing. It's like, I got nothing else going. So I still have it. It's just that because it's still, it's still growing. It's like, I, but I'm annoyed by it. So I always get like really short haircuts. So it's like, like I'm, I'm, I'm asking to keep it, but I don't want a lot of it. Like, I don't know. It's this weird thing of like, like, thank you. Keep growing, but I want to cut you every month, you know? So <laughs> I don't know. Like right now, like, like knowing that I'm like, you know what? 10 days out from full immunity. That's keeping me from like, I'll get a haircut again and I'm going to feel amazing. Like, I don't know what it is. I just like getting a haircut. Like I just feel sane again. It's just this weird moment of like, great. I feel like I could function in public again without being that crazy haired weirdo, you know, like I just, but Kudos to you that you had the, like the willpower to do it. I, I could not have done that. Like I would have, um, Oh, I would have been Jordy Vero. I would have jumped in the tub because that's what the, <laughs> it would have wanted the water. Yeah. It would have been bad. Yeah. There's, there's 
three thoughts that I have real quick that I just want to mention or anecdotes. One, when you mentioned uh, immunity, it made you sound like you're the villain in Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> Diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, when I sat down, the joke that I wanted to use, and I always do this. Uh, actually, it's the joke that I've always wanted to use at a uh, at a barber shop or hairstylist, if you will, is just to sit down and they ask you what you want. Just say, "Make me beautiful," and then not say anything else. <laughs> but I didn't. But what oh. I did do, and this is the lamest thing ever. The haircut that I currently have is not how I normally wear my hair because I wanted to keep some of the legs. But back during the pandemic, there was a celebrity version of Wheel of Fortune and uh, Community's Jill McHale showed up and I really liked the way his hair looked. So I took screenshots <laughs> of Jill McHale on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. I was like, this is what I want. I'm sorry, make sir. We can't, like we can't cut abs. We can't cut abs. Just make me look like him. It's fine. You know. <laughs> I'm only like 150 pounds heavier than he is and not nearly as good looking, but make me look like Joel yeah. McHale. So yeah, that was, uh, that was how the, uh, the haircut started. And I'm actually fairly happy, uh, with the way my hair looks. I may actually keep this style. Uh, we'll see how it, it proceeds, but, uh, I'm, I'm less than a weekend and I'm still happy with it, but that may good. just be the novelty of getting a haircut. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the part where like, like I'm getting to almost the Reed Richards, like line of delineation on the sides of my head where like, I want to keep it short. So, cause I just like it, but it's like my, the, my temples are getting gray and I'm like, well, if I just, I'll look really smart if people can see that, but <laughs> otherwise, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Anyway, I just, I, I don't know. I have this thing where it's like, like if, if like I, um, if my hair, like especially the size of my head starts winging out like an owl, it's like, I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel like an idiot if my hair goes out too long, it, but whatever. It's it. That's either here or there. That's, that's some vaccination talk. I'm sorry, everybody. That's, I'm sure that was really not entertaining at all, but anyway. Um, so let's just get into uh, our year of the sequel, uh, talking about clerks too. And as we get into that now, how, how about this, Steve? Will you appreciate it? I want to play the trailer before we actually talk about the movie. Look at me. I'm being professional and upfront. It's gonna be amazing. Nice. Put on again, didn't I? Never before. 32 and the flippin' burgers? Is anyone else from our graduating class back there? And so many. Done so little. Sometimes I wish I did a little more of my life instead of hanging out in front of places. Maybe be an astronaut. Be the first to find a new alien life form. And nail it. What? And gone so far. No subject is too sacred. Those Hobbit movies were boring as hell. Say what you will about Jesus, but leave the rings out of this. No moment is too personal. I think there's something going on between you two. We had sex one night after work a few weeks ago. What? Where? Here on the prep station. Oh, that was just wrong. No dream is too big. We are going to peep something we've been talking about since we saw Bachelor Party when we were 12. I'm disgusted and repulsed and I can't look away. Works to one ring to rule them. One ring to find them. 
So Clerks 2, I, I uh, asked uh, Steve if we could do that this week after after my completely angry talk about the last blockbuster last week. It felt very appropriate because Kevin Smith was in that documentary. And also Clerks is a kind of a film that I don't think it would have taken off as big as it did if it wasn't available for people to rent. I don't, I mean, you can, you can tell me if maybe I'm not correct with that statement, but I feel like Kevin Smith's career wouldn't have taken off if it didn't get to like the mom and pop stores and people find interest in his work. I will agree with that. I will say that it clerks was a festival darling. So like he did have quite a bit of critical acclaim at the time, um, at least of the first film. Uh, But you're right. That's where I first saw it. That's where all my friends first saw it. And I think that uh, that certainly plays in more importantly with his second film than with clerks. But yeah, you, you, I don't think you're that far off. Well, you're right. So it did travel the festival circuit, right? So I mean, it does have a little different pedigree than something. It's a straight, the video. So you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, but it didn't get like big wide theatrical release. I know that. Um, I remember the news stories that were around it, but it's like, Oh, there's a movie about people that just are clerking. It's like, you mean people that have jobs? I remember all that. But it was clerk was what clerks was what ninety four the original clerks mm-hmm. I'll look it up, um, so I think it's important. To, I'm like I don't want to do like a comparison of both, but in regards to we're talking about it's the year of the sequel. Uh, I think Clerks is a very important film, at least to me, um, because it's like it's you know it's it, it is a low budget independent comedy, uh, but it I think it it. It, it, it kind of like set the stage for a lot that came after it. It's almost in the way that like, and this is me, like I'm going to come at this like ham handed. So I apologize to everybody. And, and much the same way that like a scream kind of changed horror films for a long time. I think clerks changed comedies for a long time. I would say that's absolutely correct. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about how much it, it resonated with you, but I, I kind of want to, just do a quick, quick deep dive uh, on me and what not only Clerks, but his career at the beginning really meant to me. Um, Please do. Steer, and I realize I'm sort of. <laughs> steer, steer the sheep, steer the ship. No sheep. Steer the ship. Captain, my captain. Take Guide us through the journey that is Steve. So I say this knowing that there's a certain pedigree of, uh, not pedigree, uh, there's a, a certain amount of irony that's going to come with a statement irony is probably not even the right word but like this was a movie where i felt like i saw myself on screen uh the first clerks that is and same with mall rats and chasing amy's it was i really felt represented by this movie which is so weird to be like yeah every movie's a white dude and a lot of them are overweight how did you not feel represented before but like specifically like the era that this movie came out like that was me and my friends we all talked like that we all worked jobs like the quick stop we all uh loved movies and comics like it was very representative of who me and my friends were and i I think that's part of its appeal at least uh, my generation was there were a lot of people who were like yeah i i I can't you know I, i love wayne's world and it's funny 
but I, I don't know that I could say that Garth and Wayne represent me, but Dante, I am, and I say this in the sense that I, I don't mean this to be like belittling myself or anything like that. Like I, I am Dante. Like I, I'm well aware that I am Dante. I am the guy, the Charlie Brown, if you will. <laughs> um, the parallels between me and that character are so vast, so vast, and you could get into the discussion of the whole shit or get off the pot discussion. Like Dante is me to a T. It was really the first time that I really felt like I saw myself on screen, if you will. And I don't think I even realized it at the time. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that that's why the movie, while why Kevin Smith's early works all resonated with me because they were who I were at that age. Uh, granted, I never got to meet. Well, I did get to meet Stan Lee, but I. I never got to have a conversation a la Brody and Mallrats. I never got to, uh, you know, sell out the way Holden and Banky do and chasing Amy. But <laughs> they were very representative of the world that I lived in. And it was the first time that I really felt like somebody with a voice similar to mine was getting to say something on the big screen. So uh, starting that off with, you know, his early work, for me, I will always give Kevin Smith a break, and I, we'll talk about probably his latter career later, but I'm always rooting for Kevin Smith just simply because of what he meant to me in my 20s. And that's fair because, I mean, again, he was just one of us, right? And he was just trying – he overextended himself. I remember – I still think I have the DVD of uh, The Evening with Kevin Smith where he was like – what was it? Uh, he was at uh, Ohio State, I think it was, like mm-hmm. talking. And someone said, hey, what should I do to become like a successful filmmaker? He's like, well – get a bunch of credit cards and max them out and then sell a movie to the Weinstein company. (laughs) It's like, like he was kind of making the joke, but it was just like, I really extended myself when I made this film and I, you know, I made it work. But he was also kind of acknowledging of like the, like ridiculousness of the situation. Right. So the the idea though, of, of saying you can do this too. I'll honestly say that, like, I had never really considered writing until I saw an interview with him. He's like, I can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. And that was probably post Chasing Amy because I love Chasing Amy. That's still my favorite of his films. But at that time, it was an interview, maybe an MTV interview. No, you know what it was? I I apologize for bringing the show to a halt. But uh, before Dogma, after Chasing Amy, there was an uh, MTV special, which was just Kevin and Jay doing interstitials for MTV, and then there were videos wrapping around it. But at one point, he's outside the stash, and he's talking about, like, hey, man, if if I can do this, anybody can do this. Just sit down and try and, you know, uh, bring your voice to whatever. And he's still actually, uh, in interviews, I've seen him say that to this day, that, like, if I can do it, anybody can. And that's always been like a thing in the back of my brain is, is like, not that I'm going to be Kevin Smith successful or that I'm going to reach people the way that he does. But I'm like, you know what? He's right. Like, there's nothing stopping me from doing this, you know, other than my own limitations or my own, you know, feelings of, of not doing it. Uh, I, I just I credit him for that as being one of the first people who was like, yeah, I did it. You know, you might not be successful at it, but doesn't mean you can't do it. And that's just kind of stuck in the back of my brain. Oh, and that's so. fair. I just, but I think people also 
forget how far he he stuck himself out there to get this done, right? Because I think, oh yeah. yeah. So, like I, I heard, I remember hearing the stories of like he would uh, apply for credit cards and put himself down as his own employer or whatever, and then people would call him and be like, "Oh yeah, Kevin works for me. He's a good dude." So they had approved credit cards and stuff, like. Yeah, he did everything he could to get clerks out there, right? So that was where he was, right? And then, um, and that got critical acclaim. Then he made Mall Rats, which I need to revisit. That it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, but so with um, with clerks, though, it was such a like I don't like the idea of a slacker comedy. I mean, it is two guys that are probably smarter, like with Dante and Randall, like they're both smarter and probably better than they are, like for the jobs they're doing, right? And the expectations are, are probably higher on Dante. They're self-imposed. Um, but it's like, that's the that's, that's the 20s. That's all of us in our 20s of us like, well, I got things are okay right now, but there's all these outside pressures. And I think that he kind of tapped into that unique 90s thing of like, um, I, it's, there was that, that kind of post like baby boomer mentality where it's like, yeah, I don't want to be my parents, but I don't know what I want to do. So I'm going to work here for right now. I want to do something more. I don't know what that is. And then, then there's that weird, like on we of like, but what if I'm stuck here forever? I feel like that was really kind of cr- like bubbling up in the nineties. And somehow I feel like Kevin Smith kind of latched onto it. It was like, it was like, um, like a post, um, oh shit. Um, post John Hughes world is what I would feel mm-hmm. like it was. And Kevin Smith is, is gone on to say how much he loved, John Hughes growing up. I don't think that's any secret. Uh, I mean, the comic book that came out that takes place between Chasing Amy and Dogma that he wrote is all about Jay and Silent Bob trying to go to Shermer, <laughs> Illinois, which is where John Hughes films takes place. So he wears his his love of John Hughes and other films on his uh, his shoulder. He doesn't are on his sleeve. He he doesn't uh, hide his love of certain well, things. Yeah, but I mean, in terms of like, you got all these characters and all the overlapping situations, and that's where you get, that's where you get some moments of character and comedy. But in terms of day and place, I, I mean, like, am I wrong? I mean, is it, I feel like it's post-Hughes, right? Where like, you got like, I, I didn't want to drag this into like a John Hughes conversation, but it's always the question of like, who am I? What am I meant to do? How do I feel about it? But then I feel like um, I feel like Kevin Smith took it. It's like, yeah, we don't get like that that, that amazing opportunistic one day at a library serving detention where all of our things are figured out. Nope, these are guys working in a convenience store in a video store, and it's like and like, every day is almost the same. But you know, I, I just I, I feel like it was grounded in a reality that everybody could approach. I think clerks. At the time that it came out, uh, let me step back. I think John Hughes, at the time that Clerks comes out, is probably where Kevin Smith is right before Clerks 2. I think John Hughes is making movies that are his equivalent to a Jersey girl in the sense that he's making things that are more adult as opposed to being focused on the teen culture. Whereas Kevin Smith is focused on making movies about the kids in their 20s. And I think that, uh, you know, he takes those influences, makes them his his own. But I definitely feel like there's a little bit of a parallel, too, with their careers, because I feel like, you know, yes, he goes on to do. Oh, I believe both Home Alone movies are John Hughes films, right? The first two. 
Um, I, I think which are stories, commercial successes. But I, mean, I think Chris, I think does does Hughes do the first? I think he either wrote them. I think Chris Columbus directed them, right? So okay, and I could be wrong on that, but I, I'm just saying that, like, as far as like their career, he had left that behind. We'll put yeah. it that way. As John Hughes has moved on, which is he wrote something them that, directed by Chris Columbus. I think at least the first one. But anyway, okay, yeah. so I'm completely wrong on that. So well, no, yeah, wait, John Hughes, you're fifty percent. <laughs> Okay. Give yourself no, the, the point that I'm making is, is that John Hughes had sort of left that behind, which is where I think Kevin Smith is before he makes Clerks 2. He, he's made this big declaration like Jane Silent Bob is and Strike Back is my end of the Askewniverse. I'm moving on to make not important films, but films that are not tied to this world that I've created in the last five films. And then... Jersey Girl happens, which I think would be an entirely interesting conversation on its own. I'm just going to put this out here right now. I actually really like Jersey Girl. I think it's a really good movie, and I think people just shit on it because it was a Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez movie at the time. Um, it's missing the R rating that Kevin Smith movies normally have, but like it's, I think it's actually a really good movie, and I think that it's it's something that that people don't give enough an acknowledgement to. And I wonder if that movie would have been a hit, like what his career would have been like afterwards. Fair enough. But I'm the place sure. that he finds himself where he decides to return to clerks. And I realize that I'm kind of derailing the conversation. But you're not, you're not, you're not it's, at all. It's, it's a progression for him where he's like, well, I'm returning to the well, but I have something to say. And I think that that's also an important piece of this is that he felt like he had something to at least say about who he was in his 20s with Clerks. I feel like he has the same feeling with Clerks too, uh, And a lot of that reflects, you know, again, I, I try not to, I try to be subjective or objective, whichever one you prefer. Um, I'm not sure which okay. is the proper, but I try not to put myself into it. But like, there's a line that in rewatching Clerks too that stuck with me that I, I, I know that's the, how I felt about being like in your thirties and just being like, what the hell am I doing? Like I'm in my thirties. I should have this figured out by now. And right. I don't, Yeah, and that's terrifying. And you know, I'm now in my forties towards, but uh, <laughs> that said, like I could still identify with that idea. And, you know, I think that's where Smith's career was going as far as what he was writing. I'm, I'm curious to know what that movie would have been. Had had Jersey Girl succeeded, had he would he have even done a Clark's two? But also like what his career would be like now. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it's an interesting idea, um, and I'm, I'm kind of taking away from the Clark's two discussion no, with not that. At all, but not at all. so much of I think comes out of that experience with Jersey Girl that it's it's hard not to to focus on it. And so so what I'll say here is, is two things. One, I've never seen Jersey Girl. So I'll, I'll fess up. I've not seen it. I just, it's just, I don't know. This wasn't on so my radar. There's a great George Carlin performance in it. Uh, I think it's some of Affleck's best work with Kevin Smith. Um, it's, it's a okay. charming movie. I, I get it. I'm supposed to feel guilty of not seeing this film. Thanks, no, Steve. No, I'm joking. I didn't I'm joking. see it in the theater. <laughs> I, I rented it. So like... No, I just, yeah, you will. But um, so so what we're talking about. So you had Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, which I still think is my personal favorite of all his movies. I adore Dogma. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob. I saw that in the theater. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, Jersey Girl I did not see. And then we get Clerks 2, which is in 2006, right? So that is him coming back to his, you know, that was a uh, view askew uh, the universe, whatever it is. Um, and And it's almost like, I mean, 
you you know people are probably asking for it because anytime there's a film that's successful, like you, where's the sequel? Uh, so we're visiting this like like what was it? Um, it is it is over ten years later, and uh, this could have been an easy cash grab in terms of like you guys like the first one, right? Um, let's just do that again. And I'll give credit to, um, uh, to him for the opening being black and white. And then when Dante owns the, he opens the, uh, the gates, the quick stops on fire. And within the first like three minutes of the film, like we're not getting the same movie. I, I like that. He's like, Nope, we're going to, we're going to flip the script. We're going to do something different. Um, and that is a gamble, but considering, I feel like later on, and I don't want to use clerks too as a as a tipping point towards what would come later because I think of, of his other output after this, um, I think Clerks Two is probably the best since then. I've not seen Jason Bob reboot, um, but this like I feel like this like upon my second rewatch, and I'll mention like we'll talk about that in a second. I think this is kind of where like this was great. And he wanted to show people he's capable of more and him setting fire to the quick stop. He could have easily done the same thing over again. He didn't want to. And I respect that because he was in a different spot, like in his life. Cause you mentioned Jersey girl and the, it, it he may have been satisfied with that film, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that like shooting a film and feeling good about it, that probably gets scrubbed away the moment the world gets a hold of it. And I don't know how he feels about it now, but he was probably really proud of himself until the world kicked his dick in on it. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I think that that probably goes without saying absolutely. But uh, just to go back a, a step yes. where you're talking about the opening and closing the film uh, opening in black and white, like e- even as I think about it, like I, when I was rewatching it last night for the show, I, I it's such a smart move. It's one of those things like, and and I know that uh, this is probably going to sound crazy, but I sometimes, if I see something that I think is is impressive, not only just in a movie but in a comic or whatever, it's just an idea where I'm like, man, that's so smart. Like I'll 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 get like choked up a little bit about it. And thinking about like how Clerks Two begins the exact same way, you're black and white, hard hard like shots on Dante of like his boots dropping to the ground from the sh- the car, him getting out, undoing the lock. And then flipping it open and like everything's on fire and that's in color and pulling out like the fact that it then turns into color and it feels like it's its own movie. I I think that's so smart. But then the end of the movie where it cuts back to it fades back into black and white as they're back in the store. It's like, oh, this is like a nice journey that ends. And like just talking about it, I'm actually getting a little choked up. But I'm like. This feels like an arc, <laughs> if you will. Like it's yeah. such a smart way to end the movie, and I, I, I loved, I loved that Clerks Two wasn't Clerks One all over again. So uh, I'm kind of stepping on your your point, but I, that's one of the smartest things I think that he did with the film was being like, you're expecting the same thing. Well, here I'm, I'm immediately pulling you out of black and white, but I'm going to end it in a way where we're back and comfortable in that world again. Like, I, I think it's just such a smart touch. No, I agree. So, and a, a filmmaker yeah. touch, which I know he has trouble t- calling himself a filmmaker sometimes. He feels like he's a writer who directs. And it's a smart idea. Uh, I'll give him credit for that. And I cut you off. No, My no, apologies. no. no you, you, you're fine. So um, 
with that being said, I, I saw this in the theater when it came out. Um, like I had mentioned, I mean, my, I like, I love dogma. I need to revisit that. I just, I've seen dogma multiple times. I love that film. Uh, and I love Jane Silent Bob strike back. Um, and like it was like, that one was like, Hey, let's just get goofy as possible. And it was a romp, but it was fun. And dogma was great too. So then we come to the clerks too. It's like, like, um, I remember watching the theater and liking it, but then like, it's it's interesting because I before we started recording, you and I talked a little bit before, like because you know, like we we're friends and we talk sometimes, um, and we make we make eye contact when we're in person. I'm like, Steve, what happened to your hair? And you're like, I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, um, <laughs> you came out of this film loving it. I came out of it feeling a little like weird, and I don't know, and I can't tell you why I did. All I like, you know how it is is like. Um, you just remember how you feel about something and you maybe you can't connect to why you felt a certain way. I remember kind of like, I don't know why I felt like when the thing took a turn and became a little bit more serious at the end, I felt like that went on much longer in my mind than it actually did. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh, why are you trying to put like some seriousness in this film? And, and that's me. That was me at that time when I watched it. I maybe like that wasn't the I wasn't the target or whatever. But like I was in my late twenties when I came out. Um, but it was just one of those things where it's like I, I came out of it kind of feeling a little weird, a little flat, and I just had never revisited it. And watching it again for the second time uh, was it a couple of days ago. Um, I don't know what I was thinking then. Maybe because I'm now older, and a lot of this rings a lot more true for me. Um, mm -hmm. this thing is a delight from A to B and I actually don't mind a drop of seriousness because you, if you can't appreciate the sweet without a little bit of the sour. And I think that I think 10 years later, I think Smith understood that. And I wasn't ready to meet him when I originally watched this film. Well, I don't want to jump towards the ending, but I'll, I'll just say that, uh, you know, the jailhouse scene for Randall blew me away the first time I saw it. Like I actually rewatching it last night, like was one of those scenes where I'm like, damn, he's bringing it. Like he's, I know that both he and Brian Anderson, I'm sorry, Brian O'Halloran are often just, you know, like they're Dante and, and Randall and they're kind of pigeonholed in, in a lot of ways, uh, as being those characters, but he's really damn good in that scene. And like the, the there's jokes that take away from it. Like, Kevin Smith, I think, has pointed out that he's like, I'm not a guy who could just let a nice moment rest. Um, <laughs> Neither am I. Like, I'm know. just like, I got to like, oh, everything's quiet. I got to kick something really hard and really loud. Yeah. But I that jailhouse scene with with uh, Randall and Dante, Jeff Anderson really brings it and it, it hits home because it's that thing of like. The whole movie, because I, I remember before the film came out, and we should probably talk about this a little bit as well. You, you'd mentioned that, like, you know, sometimes revisiting characters, so much time has passed. It's not always a good idea. But, like, Dante and Randall had popped up in other variations. Yes. There was their scene in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is our first time to get to, to see them again together in, I think, seven years at that point. Then there's the Clark's cartoon, which I remember going into Clark's two and being like, man, I love the Clark's cartoon, but don't make Randall a cartoon. That was my big fear. I was like, I love the cartoon version. Dante kind of stays the same in the cartoon. 
Randall becomes like an accelerated version of himself. And while I love that, I didn't want to see that in live action. Mm -hmm. So I was relieved when I got to see Clerks 2. And I was like, okay, he didn't do that. I'm glad he didn't. Uh, But there was also like the flying car short, which ironically aired on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Um, I've not (laughs) seen that. Dante and Randall just stuck in traffic talking about why isn't there a flying car? Like we'd actually gotten to, to see those characters, particularly if you were a fan of Kevin Smith's work and sought it out, you got to see them in different versions of those characters. So it wasn't so striking when they came back, but I, I think, I think that like when they show up the beginning of the film, film, the film, it doesn't feel like any time has passed, even though we're cutting from black and white to um, color. Like it, you feel like you still know those guys and you're immediately connected to them. At least that's how I felt. I agree because one, you got Dante being responsible, calling the fire, the fire company. And then the first time you see Randall, he has a newspaper under his arm and he's walking into a burning building and he gets pushed back out by the firefighters. Like that's all you need to know about Randall, that he's just so focused on him himself. Mm-hmm. He has his routines. He's going to do what he does. And he gets shoved back out of the building. It's like, we're right back to it. And he's just like, Oh, terrorists oh i left the coffee pot on again it's like and we're right back with the both of them where like uh dante suffers randall and Mm. randall is the first person to never blame randall and that's exactly where we left them right and i I love (laughs) it's like you it's like you're right back with them and i i dig that so much and then we like fast forward to them being um guys working at a, um, a fast food restaurant, which that's, that's why I want to mention that somehow Smith credit to him. He is able to, to, to blend in like the fallout from Jane Silent Bob strike back, which we find out much later, but also dogma like Jane Silent Bob meet God and they meet Jesus. Well, they, sorry. They, well, they buddy Christ and they meet uh, Chris rock. Uh, they meet the Metatron and they meet all these. It's like, how, how are they affected after this? And it's like, they're directly affected, but like aside outside of a, a Jason, Mew shirt and then him being clean. And at one point later on, whatever, someone's talking to him from a rooftop and he says, Lord, he looks up like <laughs> it's like, it all ties into dogma, but like somehow that movie still exists here and it's perfectly okay. I have no idea how you pull that, that off. That's some magic. This is uh, probably the the <laughs> the comment that I, I might get blown up uh, the most about. But like Kevin Smith loves Stan Lee. If nothing else, like Kevin Smith created his own little Marvel universe. Oh yeah. Like Dante and Randall exist in the same you know uh, the same uh, place as Holden and Banky and chasing Amy. They also exist in the same place as Jane Silent Bob who then go to Chicago uh, or end up in Illinois and end up going on a road trip to get back to uh, New Jersey to see Cardinal Glick. And there's all these other like permeations of characters who are popping up. Like Dante has cousins who pop up in both mall rats and dogma. So it's like, it's a funny thing where it's like, he's created this own little universe, you know, like his love of Stan Lee and comics kind of shows in that regard. And, And like, you never question it. You know, it's like, you never question why Thor and Iron Man are, are on the same plane. You never question why Jay and Silent Bob, like were literally within, you know, 
<laughs> they were like right next to God at some point, and well, then and even, even a scene in, later, they're you even know. in Clerks too. They're breaking the fourth wall with the whole um, dance, mo- like the dance sequence that is very reminiscent of also the Candy Girl sequence in Dogma, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like it is. They know they're in a movie. Like they're both aware they're in a movie. No one else is, and somehow that's perfectly fine, and I adore it. Yeah, and it doesn't detract from the story. No. Uh, I remember when I first saw the film, and I, I could get this wrong, so my apologies if I am wrong, but the first time I saw the film, I remember being like, there's something about both the dance sequence and the donkey show that bothered me, <laughs> not content-wise, <laughs> but the, it, 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 it took one, me out of the One was way more graphic than the other, and you'd be surprised at which one. That's like... <laughs> No, I just remember being like, ah, it took me out of the film a little bit. That was like my one criticism. And if I remember correctly, they were filmed differently than the rest of the movie. And there was something about either the lighting scheme or particularly maybe the camera stock that was used or something along those lines. Those two sequences were shot differently than the rest of the film. And I was like, oh, well, that makes total sense. That's what it, what took me out of it. And I've never had that problem since, but it was one of those things where I was just like, I can't put my finger on it. But these two sequences feel different than the rest of the movie. Well, and Kevin there Smith, is he did a admit, cinematic reason. Yes. That's what I say. He did admit that uh, he desaturated purposely with a the cinematographer. They made it a point to desaturate most of the film. So it was almost black and white, kind of, except for the dance sequence where they made it like bright and poppy because it's supposed to be fun. I don't know about the the donkey show sequence, which that's not a sentence I thought I'd ever say out loud. Uh, but like, that's all like, yeah, I'm sure that was also difficult to shoot for like the neon lighting and everything, but you're right. Like there was, you're right. Those were both purposely shot differently. Um, and I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but yeah. let me, let me go back real quick. Let's talk Please. about just the making of this film. Cause there are a couple of big things that come out of just the idea of doing a clerks too. First one is, is that, uh, um, I believe his name's Todd Klein is, is Kevin Smith's cinematographer for his first three films. He could not get him okayed by the studio when he went to make dogma. And so he went on to continue to work for other directors and build up his resume. But like Kevin Smith, I believe tried to bring him back for dogma Jane silent Bob reboot. I know that they had a like an Oscar winning. Um, I'm sorry, not reboot. Strike back. They had an Oscar winning um, cinematographer, I believe, for um, Jersey Girl and like Clerks too. He actually said to uh, at the time the Weinstein's, which is kind of the one thing that sticks out in my craw now. Where I'm like, oh god, every time he has to bring up the Weinstein's, it's like, Ugh. but. Uh, yeah. we've talked about the burning. We can get past this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. But, you know, he's like, if I'm going to do a sequel to Clerks, you cannot deny letting me use the original cinematographer, which is funny because I think that he had actually built up a, a bigger resume than Kevin Smith had at that point. I think he was shooting you know, all kinds of like television shows and movies and stuff like that. But it was really a, a return for not only just, you know, Kevin Smith and, the lead actors, but he got a cinematographer to come back for the first time. And it wasn't that like the guy didn't want to shoot Kevin's stuff. It was just literally that like the studio was like, you need to have a more experienced person or whatever, but they let it fly for the first three movies. So we've got a return there. We've got 
Um, Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall, who didn't want to come back. Um, he said after the official, the, the first initial like conversation about the film, he said that Kevin Smith started talking. He's like, I just started shaking my head. No, he's like, I, he's like, I have a belly now. I'm, you know, older. He's like, I have warm memories of people telling me they love clerks. I don't want to be the asshole that like everybody hates. He's like, I just don't want that to happen. And he said that at the time that Kevin Smith proposed it, he's like, I'm at an 80-20, and I'm telling you right now that the 20 is wanting to do it. The 80% is that I don't want to do it. And the script apparently won him over and got him to come back on board. But before that, Jeff Anderson had only made a cameo appearances in Jane Silent and Bob Strike Back and then the Clerks cartoon, so which wasn't obviously a, a cameo, but it was also animated, so it was a completely different set of yeah. circumstances. But it was really like a homecoming, much similar to how Jane Silent Bob reboot would go after his heart attack, where like everybody showed up. You've got Ben Affleck literally doing one line. You've got Jason Lee showing up for a pretty important part, but it's still just a scene. Um, this really was the movie that I think felt like a homecoming for him, not only just writing the movie, but also getting the people who, who showed up and became part of that family and doing something new and original with those characters. Well, and also credit to, to the leads though. Cause I mean, like I know that, I mean, they're both, they're both actors. They've, they've both, you know, done the job previously, but you talked about Jeff Anderson with the, 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 the when they're in uh, the jail, the heavy lifting he has to do there. That that's amazing. And that, that range is great, but also like Jeff Anderson has a way to deliver like burns that no one else does. And I forgot how much I love that. Him just being like this man child and like almost 30 walking around this uh, burger joint, just shitting on everybody is amazing to me. Like, it's just like, um, like you've met this guy, you know, this guy, right. And then, then Dante also still being that guy that just wants to do his job, clock in, clock out. Like, I don't understand how this place hired them both at the same time. That to <laughs> me is the biggest the biggest like question mark to all this. Oh, you know, Dante, like Dante vouched for him. Yeah. That's I was going to say Dante got hired first and then was like, no, no, my buddy's cool. He'll definitely keep a shirt buttoned up and, and, and not wear a hat, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, and I, and that's another thing too, I want to mention too, is that they didn't, they didn't expand the world that much, which is, that's also something that I guess could be, um, a tricky thing to do for a sequel. Like, I mean, obviously we got, uh, Rosario Dawson in this, um, who she's a very important character. And I, I, I think she's amazing in this film. We also got, um, you know, Mrs. Dante Hicks. And then we also got, um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Elias. Um, and, and that's about it in terms of like new people coming in. And I think that was a smart move to not like overload because like, not that, not that I'm saying you wanted every single character every single person to show up from the, like we didn't need the berserker guy showing up again. Like that would have been fun, but we didn't need him. Uh, we didn't need like, I don't know. Like we didn't need everybody. We didn't need uh Caitlin. We didn't like, um, or not Caitlin. Um, what Veronica. Was yeah, Veronica. Caitlin. No, Caitlin was the girl who was chasing. Right. And then she showed up at the end of the film. Right. Caitlin was his high school girlfriend yes. who, yeah, shows up at the end of the film, but he was dating Veronica. Veronica's the, the one that brought lasagna. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we, we didn't need to have that, that revisited. Right. Um, but I, I love the fact that at one point Randall points out, he's like, 
how is it you always like have two women after you? He's like, you're you're not that attractive or funny. Like, yes. what? How is this happening? Yeah, I thought that was funny too. Um, but yeah, it's just I like that they they kind of open the world up a little bit, right? But it was still like, oh, you you guys both worked at a convenience store and a video store. You dealt with the customers there. What would it be like dealing with? And like, also, you'd never really got into like the day to day annoyances of working fast food, other than it got busy. Did you notice that there wasn't that thing of like, well, do you think it's bad now? What about this? Like there wasn't that person coming in asking for like the modified something, 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 you know, like credit to Smith. He had a much bigger story to tell there. Well, at least there wasn't like the annoying customer trope. Right. So that's good. I'll say, I'll say this though. The quick stop is much busier than the movies for some reason. Mm. Like if you go back and watch clerks, like there's customers throughout that entire film. There's large chunks of this where there's like nobody waiting in line or nobody being helped. Um, nobody being helped is probably more appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like that. Uh, when we find out that it was actually a, a Burger King that closed down, that they turned into a movies. And also that movie was uh, the thing that was like, um, the icon that was created in dogma. And I love that. Uh, when you find this restaurant, I love that their slogan is I'm eating it. Like I love the little, like it's, it's dumb as all get out. I know they're digging into some stuff and there's like all the, like the religious, like icon, iconography all over the place. Iconography. Iconography. Yeah, that's well, whatever. now I can't say it right. Uh, <laughs> iconic. Kind of whatever. Iconography. Yeah. <laughs> iconography. Yeah. There, there you go. go. That's the word. Uh, congratulations, you win. I like that it's like they're basically Chick Fil A, <laughs> like and they and none of them care, like except for Elias. Elias was like we needed we needed that person that was the same age as Dante and Randall when they were in the first film. We needed that. I like that uh, that Randall. It's almost like um, I like that with Elias being interested in Transformers, Lord of the Rings. Somehow that rankles Randall to the point it almost feels like. Uh, and what was it? Billy Madison. What if he shows back up to high school again with his Ario Speedwagon shirt and like his car? Like he's like, I know what's cool. Randall likes what he likes, but he's never going to be about what the younger people like. And I, I like that clash where he's annoyed at there's other fandom and other things because he's already settled on the things they like. So I think that's also kind of important that Kevin Smith acknowledges that like, oh shit, there's been things past him. I will say, and I've got like four different things I want to bring up, but uh, I, the thing that I related to the most was, is that I was Randall when it came to Lord of the Rings. Uh, I remember <laughs> everyone loving them, and I'm just like, yeah, they're all right, but they're, there's, you know, they're not Star Wars to me. They're not, you know, like people really loved the movies when they came out, and I'm like, I saw each of them in the theater, and I was like, yeah, it's okay. But, like, I never fell in love with them. And I remember, like, when this scene came out, I was like, oh, my God, he's actually saying the things that I've thought. Like, it literally is a movie just about walking. It's three movies about walking. I remember, like, just being like, oh, my God, somebody's saying it. Like, I, I you know, I know that I would get just physically pummeled uh, at a comic book show by nerds if I, <laughs> like, brought out my thoughts on Lord of the Rings. I don't think it's bad or anything like that. And I understand Tolkien was before Lucas and all that stuff, but I'm just like, I, I remember people were like, Oh yeah. Return. Like the whole idea of there being a return. And I'm like, yeah, the Jedi. And they're like, no, the King. I'm like, no, 
of the Jedi. Like that, I was totally Randall in that circumstance. I mean, the so. original title was supposed to be Revenge of the King, and they changed it though. I just don't want to <laughs> so I guess there is similarities. Kidding, yeah. but uh, I wanted to mention real quick, um, and this is. Uh, me humble bragging, but I did get to meet both uh, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson uh, in New Jersey at a film festival called Vulgarthon back in 2000. I think it was beginning of 2002. Um, Kevin Smith put on a uh, a movie festival, um, so I, I went to um, I went to Quick Stop. I still have my uh, Quick Stop pen that I bought there. Um, I obviously got photos, but uh, toured like all the sites that the films were made in in Jersey. I went to the actual Jane Silent Bob's secret stash at the time. Um, got myself a banky uh, baseball hat, a uh, blunt man and chronic baseball hat from uh, Chasing Amy that I wore religiously for like three or four years. I still have it, but like I washed it at one point because it just got so gross. And it like doesn't fit me right anymore. So, well, okay, I, I you should check it now. Post haircut, you should check it now. Yeah, I should. Yeah. But uh, the part of the marathon, which was twelve Kevin, or I'm sorry, twelve hours of Kevin Smith, either movies or, or movies made by his friends. One of the movies uh, that played was a movie written and directed by Jeff Anderson called Now You Know. And the reason I'm bringing this up is, is that the character of Elias, the actor who plays Elias in the movie is in that movie and inspired Kevin Smith to write him into clerks too. Um, I haven't seen now, you know, since that screening in the theater, I didn't even realize it ever gotten released. I, I just looked it up on Amazon. It is available on DVD for like six bucks. So I'm going to order a copy because I haven't seen it in mm. wow, God, it was 2002. So it was literally 19 years ago almost now. But that actor, Trevor Furman, who plays um, Elias in the film, was was his character was written and cast around Jeff Anderson's film that he had made previous to Clerks 2. Um, and I think Elias was a, a, an important um, point to this. I mean, he was a punching bag, but it's like just because like Randall chose to like like bully him. I know, it's almost like it was like Randall was projecting his own fear of being like out of the loop. Right. In a weird way. I feel like I got that vibe from him of like, Oh, well, that's all stupid. This is what I like. And then, and then Elias is like, well, that's all dumb too. Like Randall was like, he was like, um, how do I describe? He was, he was out bundying of like, well, I had four touchdowns in one game. It's like, yeah, but you were in high school 10 years ago. That's the yeah, vibe I got. He even has that line in the jailhouse scene where he's like, do you think I want to be making friends at my age when yeah. <laughs> he's talking to Dante about leaving? Like, he's like, I hate everyone and everything and everything's stupid to me. Like that made complete and total sense to me uh, at that time. Uh, I completely got on board with that idea. And I think what was great about Elias was that uh, it gave Randall's and I don't mean to make it sound the way I'm going to say it, but it gave Randall something to do while Dante's story was progressing because we needed to see and and like I don't mean this in a, a negative way towards Brian O'Haleiner or anything like that, but like Rosario Dawson, like you believe that she would fall for him. Rosario Dawson's amazingly beautiful, but in this movie, you're like, I guess I could see a world where she's with Brian O'Halloran, like. <laughs> 
you I, wouldn't say that. No, but like, like I, I, like it was buy. funny watching this with with my wife Mary. Like whenever um, uh, Mrs. Hicks, oh, um, the character name I forget her character name. Uh, Emma. Emma was it Emma? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's like, oh, I don't, I don't think she's attractive. I was like, that's Kevin Smith's wife. She's like, oh, I still don't <laughs> like her. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, I think she's cute. But it's like, if you got Rosario Dawson in front of you, you got oh, Rosario yeah. Dawson in front of you. <laughs> I mean, the other thing, too, is, is that, like, I, I do feel bad for her character in the sense of, like, there's, she's not doing anything like she's not underhanded like Caitlyn was like sleeping on, you know, cheating on Dante or anything like that. She's just a girl who like apparently was not into Dante in high school, but is into him now because he's a nice guy. No, but no, the, if you, if you watch the whole film, like he's malleable. Right. And so she <laughs> wants, she wants the safe bet and, and Dante always projects himself as a safe bet, but he hates that he is. And I think that's important. And how like she was like, I'll just tell you how to do this. We're gonna you're gonna run a car wash and then one day a meth business or whatever, it's fine. Uh, but it was like she was dictating his life for him, which he wanted and and like more of the abstract until it became emotional. Cause I feel like that was where he was at. And I think that's important with this movie too, because like we gotta figure out that Dante was all you mentioned the first film, shit or get off the pot. With this, it's like he didn't have to shit. He could stay on the pot. Like until, because he was going to move to Florida, he's going to get a job. He's going to get a house gifted to him. He's going to have an attractive wife, but, but he forgot about like himself. Is he going to be happy with this? And I think that was important. Yeah. And, um, Rosario Dawson's character of Becca actually says that to him at one point where she's like, you know, Oh, you're in a position where you don't have to make decisions and you're yeah. terrible at that. So I can see why that would be appealing to you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Again, as somebody who, you know, again, I identify with Dante to this day where I'm like, I don't want to make decisions. <laughs> like, you know, like, unless it's something trivial, like, you know, about comic books or movies or whatever, I don't want to have any, you know, I'm still looking for an adult in most situations. So I, I completely can see that point of view. And I can see why Dante um, would go that route in the sense that, like, there's a line in the movie also that's something that I used to say, which I remember watching it and being like, oh, grunging, like grinding my teeth a little bit. Um, she has a line where uh, she says something to, to Dante and he says something about getting his life started finally. Or maybe it's even Randall who says it to him, but Dante's like, I'm finally getting my, my life started. And he's like, what the hell has the last 20 years been? So yeah, it is, is, is Randall. But I used to say that all the time. Like I used to be like, finally, when once this is done, I can start my life. And people are like, "What the hell are you talking about? Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're like, you know, you're living your life right now. Your, your life has already started. You just need to make decisions." And uh, I, we're probably digging into like personal territory with why this film resonates with me so much. But like, I wish I could have more of a critical eye and be like, "Oh, you know, the one scene. There's a, you know, uh, clearly a." Uh, a person in the background who's missing in frame four and then returns. But like, please, could you just adopt that voice no matter what's going on in every other future? When it's like, I don't know how I feel about the camera placement there. I think it's just kind of garbage. And I was like, no, 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 no. I think resonance is important here. I think what you're saying, because I'll be honest, coming into this conversation, 
Um, I knew you and I were going to like, you know, we're going to flog this dead horse with this, this donkey show until it's done. Uh, because you and I always have a fun conversation. Um, you, you know me, I usually come in like with like, like a mind space and I'm ready to talk about certain things. I have like some ideas laid out and that doesn't ever come out in the product, but I always have the intention with this one. It's like, I, 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 I remembered kind of coming away weird from it. The first time I saw it, revisiting this, watching it with my wife, because she she owns like the the special edition DVD at the time where special edition I mean it had like the three commentaries and all the additional things that they don't ever do anymore with DVD releases or like Blu-ray releases. Um, so I was like, I know this is an important film for her too. Um, watching it, it's like I after the first few minutes I started laughing and I felt relief because I'm like, oh god, I can like this because I didn't want to come in and remember something that I kind of enjoyed and fell flat, uh, but. Now that I'm now older than the both of them, and also the notion of you gotta, you know, like what makes you happy? What do you want to do? It, it resonates more with me now. Um, I think, you know, like I, I hate to say it, it's like this film plays for me much better now than it was originally released. Um, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I think this is one of those ones. Maybe people, if they dismiss it because it's a sequel. They need to revisit it because you've said on social media previously, uh, talking about because you don't want to tip your hand about other things going on. You said when Kevin Smith has something to say, that's where a lot of his good work comes from. Um, I would agree with that. He had something to say about his 10 year journey through films coming to this of like, well, what do you want to do? I want to go back to the quick stop. Fine. Let's own that. Let's own the means production and have a day to day life that we're happy with. That is definitely a, a metaphor for where he was at in his life as a filmmaker, and I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I obviously you were agreeing with me, so of course I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Wouldn't that be a twist there? You're like, I don't agree with me agreeing with you. Like what? You know, like, but yeah, twist. To paraphrase, to paraphrase a line from Chasing Amy, uh, where the whole thing is about. Uh, well, not the whole thing, but the end of the film is Holden presenting um, the comic of his relationship and saying, you know, she's like, wow, it looks like a very personal story because his whole line throughout the film is that, like, he's doing blunt men and comic because he doesn't have anything personal to say. And then he sees this, she sees this comic that's chasing Amy, you know, Alyssa's like, wow, it looks like a very personal story. He says, I finally had something personal to say. That to me is what Clerks 2 is. Like it feels very much like Kevin Smith had something personal to say with the movie. He writes hilarious dialogue. Like, you know, you get Randall making offensive, crazy, like references and, 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 going off in weird directions. But at the same time, the movie has got such a heart to it that you're like, wow, like how can this be this funny and this emotional at the same time? And I, I think that Kevin Smith works best for me as a viewer at that time. Like I, I enjoy Jane and Bob strike back just because it's a fun, goofy comedy. But if you're asking me like my favorites, it's probably closer to the, bottom end of the spectrum or closer to his later output, like a yoga hoser than it is say chasing Amy and dogma and clerks too. So I'm sorry, rephrase that. Like in terms of your preference, where would you rather be with, with his work? I would rather be, I'm sorry, with like 
Chasing Amy, Clerks 2, Dogma, even even Jersey Girl. Like I feel like when he has something to say, his work is better. Okay, because I misunderstood. You're like Yoga Hosers. I'm like, we'll never speak of that film again. I'm saying um, that like yeah. Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back is closer to a Yoga Hoser. No, that's fair. No, that's that movie's just dumb fun, and I I acknowledge it for what it's a, what it is. Right, like it doesn't. Like when they, when they did the test audiences and you see Mark Hamill show up and no one recognized him, and then they recut the film and it was like, they literally put an arrow on the screen saying, Hey kids, Mark Hamill clap. You know, I think, you know what kind of movie you're in for. And I love Jane Silent Bob. It's a romp and it's not supposed to have the same emotional weight as clerks to as chasing Amy, uh, as dogma. Right. And I think that's fine. Um, I just, so and that's not me yeah. putting down Jay and Silent Bob Strike no, Back. I no. apologize if that's the way it came out. No, but I like, just, I, for whatever reason, I thought you were like giving praise to yoga. <laughs> no, like, no. We're going to stop me, talking like, right now. <laughs> the moments that work best for me and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back are when we see Randall and Dante again, are when we see Brody again, or when we go to Holden's apartment. Like that stuff all oh, works for me. I just, it's I re- when they're by themselves that I'm like, yeah, I want those other characters. I just back. remember the bit when they're out in the desert, whatever. Um, uh, uh, Jay finally just like has it. And he's like, you could talk. Tell me what you're thinking. Like he just like, just gets like a silent, silent Bob to like actually speak. I thought that was funny. Like, I thought that was a great moment, but and I, I love the moment in this where, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's like, say uh, something. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I and he's like, I got nothing. <laughs> like, can we speak to that too real quickly that I enjoyed that? Uh, I as supposedly per the trivia, uh, clerks Two partially was made because Kevin Smith told Jason Mewes, if you can get your addiction under control, and, and get off a of heroin, you get to play, um, you know, Jay again. And so he did this and then they're both, they're both sober marijuana dealers. And I love that take on it. They're, they have their two day chip, which I think is hilarious. Right. Um, but then like, I don't know. I just love that. Like they're still doing them. They're still being them. And then the whole thing of where Jay, Jay's like, Oh man, I'm getting bored. What am I going to do? And then Silent Bob walks in with the boom box just to distract him. Like I just, there was an arc with them too. It's like, you gotta, you gotta pay attention, but it's there where it's like, they're both trying to be better, but they also want to do what they want to do. And I, I thought that was great. Yeah. And actually, you know, I, I, I mentioned Jane Silent Bob strike back in, in Jane Silent Bob reboot, which I know you have not watched. I think that there's heart to that movie as well. I think that that I prefer reboot to Jane Silent Bob strikes back. You may not feel that same way, but there are like, moments in that film that actually give Jay Mew's character of Jay more heart than we've seen in 20 years worth of movies. Fair so I, 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 that's what I meant by saying, you know, Hey, this, his work for me resonates more when I think he's got something to say. Then he had something to say with reboot. It was post his heart attack. It was post, uh, you know, him sort of, having gone through everything with obviously yoga hosers and Tusk, which, you know, Tusk is a movie where I'm like, I loved three fourths of it. Johnny Depp shows up and he ruins the movie. Um, red state is a movie that I loved until I got to the last like quarter of it. Yeah. So again, so you're Uh, saying you love the first three fourths, which again, yeah. Yeah. Like those are both films that I'm frustrated because like Kevin Smith was onto something and he had something to say. And then it just, I don't know what happened. I think, I think he was scared to go full horror because people know him as Kevin Smith. And that's not the conversation for this. I think it, it was the easy decision and, and, and a lot of, sorry, easy. I meaning like 
you did Jersey Girl. It didn't go well. You already have a rabid fan base that wants the new, um, you know, view askew thing. And you, you, it's like, it would be easy for somebody to fall back and make a sequel and just be back in your comfort zone. But even here, he made it a point to not be. And, and I think that's a big deal. And I feel like this is also, there is, um, there's a series of films called the up films. Do you know what I'm talking about? The documentaries? Um, uh, about the old man in the balloons. No, I mean, that's what I mean. Maybe no, uh, no, it is, um, the, the up film series is it's a series of documentaries that started in 64 and it follows a number of, oh, sorry, 14 British children that, so they started seven up in 64. Um, oh, what was it? Um, 14 up, 21 up, 28 up. They keep, they keep doing these as long as people are around to to check in with everybody every seven years of these 14 kids that grew up, um, in, in Britain. Um, and some of them obviously passed away. And also the director, uh, that started this actually passed away like two, two or three years ago, but they're going to check in with everybody to see where they've landed every, every seven years. Not that clerks and clerks too follow that. And not that I want to have the elderly ventures of Dante and Randall, it well, felt, I hate to tell you this, but what, Clerks Three is supposed to film fine. this summer. That's fine, <laughs> it, it, but I know, I know Jeff um, Jeff Anderson was one that wasn't on board until he was. But if we get a third one, which also that's also rev- uh, very reminiscent of um, the Linkletter films of um, what was it? Uh, uh, was it Before yeah, Sunset? Sunset? Yeah, Beyond Rise. Sunset. Yeah. yeah, those three where they revisit the, the same three characters. Was it ten years apart? Like, I'm not against this. Like, I. I worry about later, later output from Smith, but you said that reboot has some heart. Cool. I, I need to watch it. Um, here, maybe here's the promise I'll make. I'm not, maybe I won't do a blog post. I'll get to it this weekend. It, it, Cause I know somebody that owns it digitally. Maybe I'll log into their account and watch it. I'll get to it this weekend. <laughs> Cause I've been wanting to watch it, but I had trepidation. You know what I mean? Like I love Kevin Smith. I love It's like, it's like, I feel like as a filmmaker, it's like, you know, it'd be, it'd be very um, hip, hypocritical of me to be like, oh, well, I like Kevin Smith, but not always works. So I'm going to be shitty anytime he puts out something. Like, um, I, you know, someone's had good hits. He's had important works. And maybe the second half, not everything's hit for me. But, like, it would be hypocritical of me to dismiss everything he makes. Because I, I feel like because he's brought me so much joy early on. You're always hoping for that one more thing, right? So yeah, yeah, and I I think reboot is that I, I'm not I'm trying I'm not really trying to blow it up or whatever, but I went into it with a cynicism was like okay, hopefully I like this. I, I'm following it up three movies after the last movie of his that I really enjoyed. Let's or no four movies because if we're counting like, and we didn't even talk about Zach and Mary, which I think is the movie that comes after this, which <sighs> in my opinion. It's him trying to be Judd Apatow, and it doesn't work. And I'm like, you were on the right track with Clerks 2 again. Like, why are you shifting gears? And- I, yeah, I've seen Zach and Mary once, and it's, <sighs> that, that gave me I, – I, I remember uh, drinking heavily while watching it because, you know, that's what I do. Brandon Routh was fun in that, if I remember right. Uh, but yeah. The rest of it – like, and Tyler Labine shows up as the very drunk uh, Steelers fan, so I'll give him that because he keeps yelling about Brandon Roethlisberger in the middle of everything. Um, but it's, everything about that felt kind of like – like it was not phoned in. It's not the right thing, but like 
trying to give the audience what they want, but that doesn't feel earnest. I don't know how to describe it. I didn't. I'm not a fan of Zach and Mary. Neither am I. And I, I, I walked into Jay and Silent Bob reboot of being like, all right, his last four films, I've, I've not really have not connected with me the way that I'd hoped. So I was very cynical of Jay and Silent Bob reboot, particularly since I'm not the biggest fan of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Like, yes, I enjoy the movie. But again, the movies that work for me the best are Clerks, Mallrats. And that's not to say that Mallrats is some sort of treasure, but it's just I love that movie unabashedly. Chasing Amy, Dogma. Um, that said, I, I, I watched Jade Silent Bob reboot, and I know that we spent three hours talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I don't remember if I gave props to Ben Affleck because I'm like, he's a really good Batman, and I wish we had him in a better movie. But I, I still think when he pops up in Reboot, it makes that movie for me. Okay. I think I don't know that anybody writes as good for as good. <laughs> I don't think anybody writes dialogue better for Ben Affleck than Kevin Smith. And I think Reboot shows that as well. Like Because when he returns as Holden McNeil again, it's like 20 years hasn't passed. Nice. So that's just me. And maybe I'm being nostalgic and it's getting in the way of my like ability to objectively uh, critique it. But again, I, I think he's he had something to say with those films. And I think that that's where he really makes his mark. And I think that he gets uh, he gets performances out of his friends that I don't think other directors do. That's fair. I, th- I think that's I think it's a valid point. So. Um, yeah, I just revisiting clerks Two was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this film and I feel like, you know, shame on me for not watching it, like revisiting it. I don't know what it was. Just kind of like, just, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 maybe that was a day where I fell down in like a puddle of mud and I ripped my jeans and destroyed the crotch of my jeans. And then some, I don't know, like somebody dumped a whole garbage can on top of me. Like, I, I don't know, but that also sounds like I'm recalling multiple days that's happened to me. I don't know if that's true either, but like, I just, you know, you just, you, you come away with it. Like when you don't watch media, a certain like piece of media for a long time, your memory fades of what it is, but all you remember is like the emotion that was attached to it. And that, that is unfortunate because this film was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed it maybe because I have an affinity for the first one, but that's, that's why we watch the sequel because you have an affinity for the first one. Um, I, I know with this year, the sequel um, it's, you know, it's been like, is this successful? Uh, this was a gamble. It could have been a cash in. It could have been complete garbage. Um, yeah. I think this film works. I think it succeeds. And I think it's a lot of fun. I think it also shows uh, Kevin Smith advancing as a filmmaker where he knows when to break the fourth wall and when not to. And also, I don't know, I think him and, and Jay and Silent Bob are like these weird like Greek chorus that shows up. And then even like Jay being the person that puts like the third act in motion of admitting of a certain pregnancy it's happening, like like they have a very much direct part of the story too. You know, like it was a good blending. It was a, It was a good script. And also, by the way, no one would have ever saw Rosario Dawson being uh, cast as a very important Star Wars figure, which now, years later, is funny to me that she's central to this movie. What's funny to me about that, too, is is that uh, 
you know, obviously back in 2006, nobody was predicting that she would be part of the Star Wars franchise and be being in in taking on a character, I guess is a better way of putting it, that that has become beloved to the, the fan base over the last 15 years. Uh, I do wonder what Becky's role will be in Clerks 3. I know that and uh, we haven't really talked about this, but Kevin Smith recently is getting involved with NFTs, which yeah. I I have read three stories on what NFTs are. And when I say stories, I, I mean like articles, I should say. I still don't understand it. It does not make sense to me. I'm like, you're just paying for essentially something that is a digital file. Great. And you're overpaying for it. But long story short, um, there are going to be cameos that are going to play into Clerks 3 that apparently that will be a part of a bidding system for the NFTs. His new movie, which... I don't know if it's written directed by him or if it's something that he was a part of. Long story short, it's. Well, I saw the trailer uh, for the Kilroy uh, was here or Killjoy. Yeah. Uh, Kill, yes, Kilroy. Which is a I, horror film. Yeah. It looked like it'd be and, kind of fun, but he was going to turn the whole thing into an, like a non fungible token. Yeah. And I know that Clerks 3, there are certain things about the making of that that are built into that. Because uh, I think that goes live or it went live within the last day or so. So I don't quite understand that. But I, I do wonder, like, what's going to be, you know, uh, <laughs> holding over from this film? I, I think that he's already sort of, an, uh, and again, it's not like, and I don't mean this is disparaging comment towards the actor, but, like, the character who played Elias, I think he's returning um, cause the one interview that I read was, is that he said that there's a character who's very into NFTs and is made fun of by the other characters. And I, I don't think he says Elias by name, but I think that he references that character. So I think he's returning. I don't know what, um, to what capacity and Rosario, Rosario Dawson just seems like a really cool chick. Like every interviewer I always see her in, she just seems like really laid back. She likes cool directors. She likes... I mean, Jesus, she's worked with uh, Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, and now she's part of the Star Wars universe. I'm, I can't imagine her not popping up in Clerks 3 at some, to some extent, and I know I'm kind of going off topic. but not I don't know. You're talking about a sequel to a sequel. That feels right. very appropriate to this conversation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very curious to see what Clerks 3 is going to be and what capacity characters will be in it other than Randall and Dante. Uh, I know that Kevin Smith had originally written a script for Clerks three years ago that Jeff Anderson decided not to be a part of. And I think that Kevin Smith said he wrote it pre heart attack and it was a very much darker take on where those characters would be. I, I don't know. I haven't seen any. I actually looked to see if there's anything regarding Jeff Anderson saying yay or nay to a Clerks three. And I haven't found that, but I'm assuming at this point, if Kevin Smith is, Intending to shoot. No, I, 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 no, I think Jeff Anderson's on board from what I was reading briefly on Wikipedia, which okay. who knows? Citation needed. That's good. I, I'm glad to hear that because as much as I love Brian O'Halloran and I love the character of Dante because he's essentially me, <laughs> you just don't get one without the other. No, so what you're saying is that you should show up to the set the one day and be like, "I'll be the Randall." And just run around. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know how to push all of button Dante's buttons. 
Because I'm him. I'm going to wear my hat backwards, and I'm and I'm going to say things, and I'm going to take it back. No, that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, I, I realize that I've been unabashed in my love of Kevin Smith's work, uh, particularly his first ten to fourteen years uh, this evening, and uh, I don't want to take away from from that by like talking about his later work in the sense that there's material that hasn't connected with me. So I do apologize if I've been all over the place, but I, I, I revisiting this movie. It's a movie that I'm like glad that I still love. Fourteen years, fifteen years later, which is weird because there's only twelve years between the first and the second one, and I felt like that was like a huge gap. So, no, I, I don't think you being unabashed in your love. I don't think that's. I don't think that's unappreciated. I just. I thought this would be an interesting conversation because uh, one, I, I have not seen this film since I saw it in the theater, and two, I felt like it was a good piggyback off of the um, off the documentary from last week because. Um, that was wrapped up in nostalgia and Kevin Smith was in that. So it's like, what would be my feelings about the, both of those things coming into this film? You know, I like, cause clearly I came in. So like just seething angry to be, to hate everything. Um, but I thought this would be a, 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 an interesting bookend to that because, um, as much as we talked about, uh, the Kevin Smith's films being like these clerks being a festival darling. And I also read about how clerks too was uh, presented at what was it cans I think it was but like not mm-hmm. non competition but it got like an eight minute ovation like that's a big deal it's a really big mm-hmm. deal but I think that Kevin Smith is one of those guys that his work kind of permeates like the rental world versus like the go to the theater to watch because I think if anything Jane Silent Bob underperformed and that kind of also was like a, like a uh, ego check. In terms of like, he thought he could do this, and I remember seeing that film in the theater. I had a great time, but it didn't it didn't produce like what they were expecting. So I think that like it was a good bookend to have like you, you like he is um, uh, he's us, and we would go on a Friday night and rent a Kevin Smith film and have a good time, right? Like, and I so I think to to wrap this up, uh, we should mention it, like as a sequel, is this successful? And I, I think we're tipping our hands early into this. I think it is because you met the characters where they were. You still gave them conflicts. They grew up as much as Randall doesn't want to admit he grew up, but he did. Uh, even James and Bob grew up, right? Like they're two days sober and they, they, they've met God. Um, like everything here feels like it is the cast. Um, sorry, not the cast, but the characters and the filmmaker growing up and, and facing other things. And what you may have saw in Clerks, um, you could you could see you still see reflected in an older, like as we get older, Clerks Two I think resonates more, and I am glad that we got to watch this again. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I would say, and again, we're we're only four months into our year of the sequel, so it's it's easy to say like, oh, this is clearly the my favorite of the sequels that we've talked about, but like. There was a relief for, what, in rewatching Robocop it. Two wasn't your favorite one. <laughs> it's it's Clerks Two then Robocop Two. Um, I, I do appreciate that in the intro that I made, un, unknown to myself, that if you listen to the audio of the intro, it says Robocop Two and then Clerks Two. That was not my intent to have them follow in order. I mean, I didn't sneak Superman two in there, but I'm like, all right. I had no idea we'd actually be covering these films. I was just trying to put together some cool audio. 
So yeah, here we go. And that audio is also around uh, Wayne's World too, which I think we need to visit at some point. I just weird, right? Like no intent, no intent that was going to happen. And it's funny how sequels work with you. Like you just mentioned Wayne's World two. I remember not liking that one very much, and I know I've revisited it offhand on a couple occasions where it's just been on and I've been like, Oh yeah. And I'll laugh at the things that I laughed at 25 years ago when it came out. But I, I don't know that I've given it a serious watch since I saw it in the theater. And I remember just being like, yeah, it's okay. So that would be an interesting one to tackle. But in the sense of, you know, a sequel that I think is as strong as an original, I, I think this is, I, I, Look, I'm always going to hold Empire Strikes Back up as the the best of anything. So, like, I'm not going to say, like, it's the Empire Strikes Back of, of Clerks movies, I guess. It's the maybe. return of the king of Clerks films. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think as far as sequels go, like, it holds up really well. And particularly in an era where sometimes older comedy doesn't always sit well, where you're like, ugh. Uh, this doesn't really have, I mean, there's... There's definitely oh, things that occur. Oh, there's in some things this. that are abrasive that hurt more now. You're like, no, just shut up. Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think also the fact that most of them are out of like there there's an there's a, a and again, I don't want to Well it, it's couched <laughs> it's couched in the notion of like you can't say that. Like that Right, but least, it's also yeah. couched in the notion that like that's person who's saying it doesn't realize that it's a racist term. Yeah. No, I think there's I He think doesn't there's know some, that that's what it means. There's some nuance there. I, I agree, yeah. but it's still like watching it actually like, holy shit, I forgot about all this. This is wrong. <laughs> but I think the context is important because it's never used in a way that it's yes. being uh, you know, a negative. It's just that the, the the character of Randall doesn't realize that saying it is wrong, and that just makes it funnier. Well, just, and just like, the whole realization, he's like, oh, he's like, my grandmother wasn't racist. And he stops for a second. He's like, oh, she was really racist. That also rang true with me because I remember my last interaction with my my uh, grandmother on my mom's side. She says something to me that at the time. I was like, oh, you're just a four foot tall old woman. You're just saying something terrible, whatever. I love you. It's like the longer I think about it, I'm like, that was incredibly racist that she, like, so it's like, <laughs> like it was wrong. I'm like, oh, I can't tell that story wistfully because like the last time my interaction with my grandmother was something horrific. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I, I relate to I, Randall. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's so funny that like he never even interpreted it as being something that would be racist. And the idea he's like, I'm taking it back. It's not a racist, you know, no. slur. Yeah, I, I think it's just a funny idea, and it's good natured, and it comes through in not only the writing but the performance. And uh, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, that may not hold up well, but I'm like, you know what? Like it's it's really written in this like very weird space of it, it being a character who doesn't realize that that's what it is. And I, I think that's why it works. But also I um, think that this film also still works now because now that we're in the year of our Lord, 2021 uh, with like the gig economy where people are working a lot of different, like you hear gig economy here at Sci hustle. A lot of people working like a lot of these customer service jobs that are overqualified for what they're doing and what they deal with. I think a lot of this still rings true. I think there's a lot here that um, 
still like, like resonates. And that's what I've used multiple times. Um, just as much as it worked with, um, guys working dead end jobs at a, um, you know, a convenience store at a rental place previously, right? Like there's something here that still works and the humor still works and their escapism of running off to just doing go-karts and then le- like, there's a lot there. It's like, I wish I could do that during my, like while working at work, like the, a lot of this works and I'm glad that we revisited this. Uh, this film is a lot of fun and it still works for me. And I think it's a successful sequel when it could have easily just fallen on its keys. Absolutely. And I think that the fact that this was a festival darling when it, the original, when it came out, I think the fact that he was going to have to eat crow for doing it after having a large commercial failure, I think makes it that much bold, more bolder for me where I'm like, wow, you know, he really, he was really not at a, a good point in his career and he was probably going to take a lot of crap. And I remember the original title for this, and I remember hearing it, was The Passion of the Clerks. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, are you kidding me? That's a terrible title. And, and, you know, I was, A, I'm still glad that went away. But I'm like, wow, he really landed that na- that 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 sequel. And he talks about, <laughs> I guess in a sing- similar idea, he talks about there's a sequel for Mallrats that has gone from being a movie to a television series to possibly back to a movie. I'm not entirely sure, but long story short is, is that like he's called it the Twilight of the Mallrats. I'm like, oh god, that's a terrible title. Just call it Mallrats too. Is is but, it any worse of a, a movie title versus what we just found out this week that uh, Zack Snyder wanted to call Batman or uh, Superman? Son of Sun versus Night of Night is any worse? <laughs> uh, that might be the worst title. Like I, I can understand if he was like, you know what? Like uh, let's go back to the comics. Let's call it, you know, um, World's Finest, which is where Batman and Superman would often meet up in the comics. There would be a World's Finest comic that would involve those two characters. I was like, like that would make sense to me. Where I'm like, okay, he's hitting it old school with the comics, and like maybe the audience wouldn't know that. Son of Sun and Night of Night is the dumbest name I've ever heard for a movie involving two largely commercial characters. Like, nobody would have wanted to call it that. Like, that's just the dumbest thing ever. So what you're saying is Clerks 2 works pretty great as a title. (laughs) Clerks 2 works much better than uh, Son of Sun meets Night of Night. Yeah. Ugh. Right? Terrible. Right? So... Um, yeah, I, I don't know what our metrics are. I, it sounds like these are like highly recommended for, for both of us to watch, like to tell people to watch this. If you've not watched it in recent memory, you should, uh, there's a lot of fun here. It's, it's a well done movie. And uh, I think Kevin Smith comes back to this. He, I think he revisits territory, um, as a much better filmmaker and it shows. And I think there's a lot of good to be had here and a donkey show. <laughs> which we really didn't get into. I guess and that's, that's not also the most appropriate Completely thing. Fine. <laughs> and we but, didn't get into any pillow pants trolls. We didn't get into that either. <laughs> but I, I, I still think that this movie is wildly hilarious. I think that it's a home run for him. Um, and again, like the beginning of his career, you know, that, that first half has more, uh, hits for me than misses, so I will always give whatever he does a, a, a chance. And honestly, like I, I don't mean to make this sound disparaging at all, but I'm like, you know what? Like 
your Skinaverse movies are the ones that I love, maybe stop trying to make a Yoga Hoser happen. Like, <laughs> stop trying to make Fetch happen. I don't know. I, I still um, kind of want to. I want to see Moose Jaws. I know that got stopped because this Canadian trilogy didn't do so well. I still kind of like. I just. I, I worry it'd be terrible, but I kind of want to watch him do his version of of Jaws, but a moose in Northern Canada just like tearing people up. That could have been fun. I, I I don't disagree with that at all. I just uh, I I can't help but think of like okay, this is where my heart is, so I'm always going to. Uh, maybe give it a, more of a break or appreciate it more, but I, I still think that it's his best written stuff is those characters, you know. I and agree. I, Yoga Hosers, I, I don't think we've officially done that. I don't know that I'm that interested in re- no, revisiting it. It, it was we. I did cover it on an earlier episode with Joe. Uh, so, but it was I, I think live. maybe Red State would be an interesting discussion, but okay. that's fine. We can cover Red State at some point. I think that'd be fun to revisit. You know, and and the joke's on us because, like, I'm, you know, even for all my criticisms, I'm still watching Kevin Smith every every week on Fat Man Beyond with his co-host Mark Barden. I'm always like, like even now, like we haven't talked about it, but I'm like, you know what? He's gonna have a Netflix He-Man show that's gonna drop. Like, maybe we should talk about that when it comes out. Like, I'm I will forever be in his pocket and always cheering for him and hoping that he. Uh, succeeds and makes me smile. Like the way I said, if, when if, I was if I ever got the chance to meet him, I would hug him and thank him for all the amazing things, and then not talk about the other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like, uh, like, um, uh, my <laughs> wife and I, we got a chance to meet, meet Jason Mewes. It was wonderful. Like, we, you know, uh, it just nice guy, and he was very thankful, and that was great. Uh, we met Joey Lord Adams. Uh, that was weird because I was wearing my Dennis Nedry. Uh, like half my face was like, and like black makeup and it was like just and she's talking to us and and she saw mary's engagement ring and then we started talking about wedding plans and she's like did you guys want a photo it's like okay like and then it was just weird because we're like three feet away from like a tusk mask it was a really confusing time you know like so uh you know it's like so you know like the the view of universe is important to me it's done a lot and i would i would love to meet kevin smith i would love to hug him and thank him for what he's done um, if, if I had my druthers, I'd be like, can I ask you a couple serious questions? But I think it's the same ones people ask them repeatedly. I just, I, the world is better having Kevin Smith be the fan of everything in the world. Right. And whether or not his later output matches what he did before, I appreciate that he's still out there and still loving things and still championing things and still trying that that implies that like he is. He has money. He's fine. Like, you know, he will be okay. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know. It's, it, it, it is a complicated story with his output and, but clerks two should not be one of the complications. It's a, it's a fun watch. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just end this discussion real quick on something that I think is still important. And, and again, you know, in an age where, you know, you you talked about getting to meet Jason Muse and Joey Lorna Adams at, at like conventions. Like in an age where convention appearances are have become sort of the thing and the place to see con- celebrities. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that I went to Vulgarthon back in two thousand two, um, which was a Kevin Smith film festival, and I I remember I met. Brian O'Halloran, who plays Dante. I met Jeff Anderson, who plays uh, Randall. 
uh, Jason Mewes, oddly enough, wasn't there, but I did meet him at a convention later. But outside of the theater that was holding this marathon, and I think it was only two screens, maybe it was one, I don't remember off the top of my head, but because it was a Kevin Smith event, like, it's February, it's New Jersey, it's cold, everyone is, like, bundled up. Kevin Smith stood outside the theater and greeted every single one of us and took photos with every one of us for no charge at all. And this is 2002. This is pre like when conventions blow up where it's like signing, you know, uh, amounts and, you know, photo op prices and stuff like that. So I just remember being just like incredibly impressed by that. Like he stood outside and said hello to every single person who showed up and he took photos with each of us. Like, it was like 20 degrees out. I just remember being like impressed by that being like, he's a good dude. Yeah. And, and uh, if nothing else, like, you know, for all of us who have ever had a bad, like, you know, run in with a, either a celebrity or comic book uh, artist slash writer, or whatever, hey, Steve at a convention, but you know, I, I, I always reflect on that. I'm like, you know, he didn't have to do that. He could have stood inside the theater and met all of us. No, he stood outside with all of us. Like, <laughs> I also like that he protested at Dogma, the release. He's grabbed a sign outside there. Everybody tried to see what was going on. <laughs> like, I also appreciate that he was trying to understand the audience. I think protesting. my favorite part about that is, is he had a sign, I think, that said Dogma is dog shit, which <laughs> they didn't like. <laughs> So he had to change his side for his own movie. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I think it's going to do it for our discussion about, uh, about clerks too. People should check it out. It is easily available. Um, I, we, we have, we had the DVD here, but it was like, it started skipping in like the last 20 minutes. So I'm like, am I going to have to read this digitally? It's four dollars on YouTube. People just like rent it and watch it. It's it's a it's a wonderful film. Uh, pay the money, pay the man, put that shit in his hand. You know what you got to do. Um, yeah, it's a great film, and I think. It, it, and Steve, any other party thoughts before we get into you pimping out what you do? No, no, I just uh, you know I I I owe a lot to not even like oh I'm such a successful comic book creator, but I I owe a lot to. Kevin Smith once saying like, Hey man, I can do this. You can do it too. And it wasn't even like he was talking to me. It was a film segment for MTV, but like hearing that was something that certainly spurred me to try my hand at writing for good or for bad. So either blame Kevin Smith or praise him either way. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, it was, it was one of those influencers who hit me at a time where I was like, yeah, maybe this is something I could try to do. So I will always be indebted for, to him for that. And, uh, if I ever do get to beat him again, I will tell him that story and be like, Hey man, I made a comic and the fact that you said that, you know, anyone can do this. I did. And that meant something to me. Thank you. And you're going to be like, I blame you for this. And you just go and take all your issues. (laughs) I blame all my debt. You're you're going to, you're going (laughs) to, you're going to take all your issues like bagged and like nicely kept and just throw it at him and be like, I blame you for this no um <laughs> all right you guys can find us on invasion of the podcast on facebook you can email us directly at invading podcast gmail.com uh wherever you find your podcast rate and review us that'd be greatly appreciated and steve where can people find you to buy comics and throw them at kevin smith 
You can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. Or if you want to buy a comic, you can head over to Etsy and look up our store, which is The Art of the Slash. Perfect. So, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, um, so because, uh, you know, the pandemic and things going on, uh, HBO Max and, and uh, was it Warner Brothers, I decided to put all their movies out, you know, day of when they're in the theater. Uh, we're going to be wusses and watch movies in our house next week and talk about Mortal Kombat. Uh, we've always kind of circled talking about uh, video game movies and video game adaptations in the film. Um, this is the most recent. So it comes out as of tomorrow, meaning the 23rd, the day this episode releases. We're going to watch Mortal Kombat and talk about it and see how it plays as a film versus a video game. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I I absolutely agree. I I I think my knowledge of, of Mortal Kombat ends somewhere mid nineties, and I did see the original in the theater. Maybe I'll revisit it before uh, viewing this, but it'll be an interesting watch. And uh, I know that uh, we've talked about talking about, say, like the Warcraft movie at some point, but I think that this <laughs> might be interesting because at least I have a little bit of knowledge. At least I know some of the characters oh, for this. I, I so can't wait to, to dump you in head first into the Warcraft film. You'd be like, I have a lot of questions. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You're not getting answers. <laughs> no, but Mortal Kombat's coming out, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think every all all I'm hoping for, the, like my bear, my my lowest bar is give me cool fights. Yeah, I I hate to say that it's like 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 I should say the next step up should be like an intelligible story. I I have no hope for that. Just give me cool fights because that's what the game is. But maybe we'll get both. I don't know. We're going to dig into it next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. If people have HBO Max, watch Mortal Kombat and then join us for the conversation. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I think it's going to do it for uh, for us this week. Have a good week. Have a safe week. Get your get your first shot. Get your second shot. Uh, go get seven pounds of hair cut off your head. Uh, watch Clerks 2. Um, I got nothing else. Yeah, and just remember that uh, we love you. I don't know what that means, but we do. <laughs> we do. We do love you. Mm-hmm.